Hey out there, everybody, and welcome to Caffeination 545, the 545th edition here at the Caffeination Podcast. Hopefully you are having a fantastic night. If you are looking for this or any of its other episodic brethren, you can find them all lovingly nestled in over at www.caffination.com. That is caffeination.com, being that that's the name of the show. We thought it would be a good place to stick all the episodes and all the other stuff that goes along with it. So, yeah, it has been a rather interesting two weeks since you last heard these dulcet tones over the internet airwaves. Uh, last week I went to go and uh, run a little upgrade on the server that runs the Caffeination and Puzzle Piece Pro, and I did something that you should never do if you're a tech support person. I upgraded without taking a good solid backup first. So the first rule of that is anything that can go wrong absolutely will. So, uh, see, over the long course of time, I have uh, decided to save myself money by going with an unmanaged server. So that means I am responsible for maintaining everything on it. And I thought that that meant all the way down to what in Linux is called the kernel. And I was unfortunately wrong. So I tried to upgrade the kernel and ended up breaking a whole bunch of different stuff internal to the operating self system itself because the type of uh, virtual server that I was on did not allow you to upgrade the kernel. Uh, and I know that that goes over a lot of people's heads, but... Um, for the few of you out there who are initiated and you understand what I done did, uh, you, you sort of uh, <laughs> can understand exactly how messed up everything got. However, the fine folks over at InnerServer.com uh, took pity on me and helped me incredibly. Uh, they are where I have been hosted for, I would say, probably about four or five uh, years now. And uh, they they were one of the easiest places to uh, make sure everything was up and running and uh, <laughs> and sort everything out. Uh, their support department escalated my call rather early in the uh, interchange, and then I spent ta time talking to one of their particular support people over the next like three or four days to actually get it sorted out. So it took a lot of time after hours to uh on my part to get everything uh, working again. But apparently the uh the caffeination is now not only working better because I upgraded the server and uh, bought a different one and switched all the stuff all over. Uh they helped me by taking a backup snapshot of everything before things got too far out of hand. So I was happy for that. Uh <laughs> and uh I am still in an unmanaged environment. I am still responsible for everything, but the now, now now the server that I'm on also allows console access as well. So that basically means like a virtual person sitting in front of the uh, of the keyboard. And there's commands that you can do and things that you can do there that you can't do when you're in a completely virtual environment with no access to the console. So that's where I sit right now. Um, all right. So it has been a long and arduous journey. Um to get from episode 544 to 545. That's why we have entitled this the Rebuild and Reset Edition here at the Caffeination Podcast. And if you are still listening to us after this three minutes of babbling, then you're probably going to enjoy what we have here for the rest of the show. But if you are looking to send your comments, feedback, suggestion, hate mail, whatever else you would like to send our general direction, 
please feel free to forward that to caffeination at gmail.com. You can send us listener feedback at 215-240-1319. And you can do uh, almost all the social media platforms. I am Caffeination. And again, that is C-A-F-F-I-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. <laughs> or, well, Caffeination. You can add the .com if you think it's uh, appropriate. All right, so we are going to run down a list of uh, fun things. Uh, however, I, I would like to mention that uh, the user community for Ubuntu, which is the type of Linux that I use uh, on all my servers right now, is, I would say, second to none. They're, they have a high threshold for newbieism. So if you are somebody who really doesn't necessarily know what you're doing about that particular brand or that particular... Uh, flavor of Linux that you're currently working on. They are incredibly helpful. I can't speak to all of the other distributions out there, uh, but I can say that the people who uh, help out on all the different forums for Ubuntu out there are incredibly helpful, and I am forever grateful to a lot of them uh, for getting this, uh, helping me get this stuff up and running uh, in the short order that I actually did. So... Alright, this show is sponsored in part by Puzzle Piece Productions. Over at PuzzlePiecePro.com, you see the design wing of the Caffeination Podcast. That's where all of the lovely designs come from. That is where all of the uh, lovely designs live. Uh, if you are also looking for other ways to support our show, we are looking into the possibility of doing a Patreon down the road. But I have to make sure the show stays online in order to do that. And uh, we're working on that. But the other thing that you can do is if you are curious about uh, any of the products or stuff that we talk about on the Caffeination Podcast, you can always click on one of the Amazon affiliate links and head on over there and you'll be supporting the show that way as well. All right, so moving right along uh, into the Geek Cruft section here at the Caffeination Podcast. Google Assistant turns spooky for at least for one season. Google is opening a haunted house in Tokyo, Japan, for a limited time only. So what they're doing is they're going for a high-tech uh, experience here. So they're going to try virtual ghost characters that are going to give you a pass, a map, and inform you if there's a wait for entry even into the... Uh, haunted house so it's going to change the the design for the house itself is actually going to change day by day so different visitors are going to leave with different experiences so it's not going to be horrible bloody ghouls streaming out of the walls but it's going to be more one of those more experiential art exhibits uh so i kind of think that this is really awesome i wanted to share it with the group so from the 25th of august until the 2nd of september which doesn't make much sense because uh halloween season here in this States goes until October. Maybe they're just uh, uh, warming up and they're going to release a couple of these in the States. I think that would actually be really cool. This reminds me a lot of uh, one of the things that we did out in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is called Meow Wolf. It's an immersive uh, art exhibit, and I have to remember to put a link to this in the show notes as well. But uh, basically, you spend time wandering through this maze that's a, a kind of like a little bit of a Twilight Zone and an episode of the X-Files all wrapped in together. So it looks like a normal house from the 1970s, roughly. Uh, but you can do things like walk through the fridge or crawl through the fireplace to a world of uh, crystals and giant uh, creatures growing out of the air vents. We actually lost my father for a half hour, and that was all part of the experience. <laughs> 
It's not like somebody spirited him away or anything like that. But uh, well, we were trying to get around seven to nine people to go through this experience all together. Uh, we ended up splitting up, and every you know the most common question was, "Who has the kids? Where are the kids?" I mean, my son's eleven, and my daughter is uh, seven, or she's eight now. But um, so. Yeah, they they could deal with themselves, but I mean, if if you're in this massive, you know, uh, warehouse style setting with you know, twists and turns all over the place, it could get a little disorienting. Uh, so luckily, we had enough adults present, but nobody was watching my dad, so and he wandered off. And the best part was, is when we split up to uh, go in search of my father, uh, it it ended up being that we all had different experiences trying to find him. We all found different rooms none of us had found before. We all found different uh, things and saw different characters. Uh, my sister and I went and we saw a, uh, a an iridescent chameleon-looking gentleman. And uh, there was another woman who was dressed up like a... Um, um, <laughs> it's hard to explain. So a cross between a flight attendant and a space person... So they were all metallic, robotic sort of, but they looked like they were in a uh, futuristic flight attendant outfit. So you have that going for you as well. So, and the best part about it is every, almost every one of your senses except taste and I think smell uh, was engaged. So it was visually engaging. It was auditorially engaging. I mean, it did everything. It threw off your sense of depth perception um, and it was just really, really fun. So it's something that I highly suggest that if you're interested in the story that we linked about uh, the the quote-unquote haunted house in Tokyo, uh, I would highly suggest you head on over and check out the uh, Meow Wolf in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, because that seems to be more of the real deal, and that's much more of a, a tactile um experience than, than Google's going for there. I'm not sure how Google Assistant plays into what they're going to do, but it, it may, maybe it's a way for it to learn the language a little bit better. I don't know. But uh, screams of horror and uh, giggles of delight, maybe. Who knows? All right, moving right along to the next little thing we got for you here. Microsoft has actually uh, said that they are going to start leasing consoles. Well, lease to buy. So they are going to have two console price points that are coming out. There's something called Xbox Live All Access. It's going to launch involving both the Xbox S and the Xbox, or sorry, rather the Xbox One S and the Xbox X. Both of them are going to be at different price points. So for the one, you'll pay $22 a month, and the other one, you'll pay $35 a month. You do this over a two-year period. There is no down payment. At the When you do this, you get the console right off the bat. You also get immediate access to a library of 100 games. You also get access to their uh, award-winning network. Uh, if I say this and it sounds a lot like an Xbox fanboy, I truly am. I love the Xbox platform. I really think that despite the fact that it costs $60 a year, a cost savings for you, uh, if you get into the Xbox One All Access, uh, then it's it, it's really, really worth it. And Because basically, if you're looking at this, if you're getting the Xbox X or the Xbox One X, uh, it's going to be like a $500 machine. So what they're doing is they're spreading the cost out over two years. They're throwing in 100 extra games, including uh, games that are on release day. So it's not like you have to go out and buy... And these are, again, I don't know all the titles that they're putting in this thing, but it's not like you would have to go out and necessarily buy Madden or buy a, another game like that. 
uh, on the day that it's released, they might be part of the agreement. So you'd have to check that first because they're going to be adding new ones all the time. And I think that's really awesome. And that's probably the way that this stuff's going to go. And then at the, the best part about this is you don't have to pay the Xbox Live Gold fee as part of it because it's all rolled into one. So part of the payment is for hardware. Part of the payment is for uh, your access. Part of the payment is to just uh, get access to the games. And then after two years, you own that console. You can cancel it. And that console is yours. It's not like they come and take it. It's not like there's a, a bill sent to you for the rest of the money due or anything like that. After two years, the console is yours. I don't think you can really beat that because you know five hundred dollars averaged out over two years is uh, you know not a small amount of money. But when you throw in the extra hundred and twenty dollars that you would end up spending on top of that for the uh, for the access to the network plus the uh, amount that they would charge you for uh, access to a hundred games over the same amount of time, I, I really kind of think that this is the future of where gaming is going to go and you know love it or hate it i think that this is actually a really really good deal so the difference between these two is that the xbox one s is one terabyte and the xbox one x console i believe is two and has upgraded uh, graphics options so you can get things in 4k videos and you can do all kinds of fun stuff like that i believe it only comes with one controller so you'd probably have to buy your own controller oh you know <laughs> it's not that big of a deal to begin with but uh, i i kind of think that this is a really awesome deal so i don't know uh, what anybody else out there thinks so uh look for comments feedback suggestion anything else you want to send our general direction and send it over to caffeination at gmail.com all right keep it in the video game vibe uh unique low and namco have actually joined up to get a nostalgic collaboration that appeals to geek culture so this is from over at uh, trendhunter.com my favorite is the pac-man uh with the striped shirt so it's uh, alternating lines of stripes and dots uh with pac-man eating uh the only <laughs> The other one that I would probably wear out of the entire collection that they actually have listed there is uh, they have a um, Dig Dug map or Dig Dug actually blowing up one of the critters that he attacks. And Dig Dug is my absolute favorite uh, retro-style arcade game because uh, it was available in the dentist office when I was growing up. So when we would go there, the only good part about the dentist office was that you could play Dig Dug for free as many times as you wanted, right in a row. And <laughs> it, it kind of helps with your uh, pre-dental anxiety, if you know what I mean. So if you'd like to head on over to trendhunter.com, you can check that out. All right, next little thing that we got for you here is from retro video games to retro toys and high fashion. We have a minimalist Lego coffee table. Los Angeles-based art director Yusong Zhang has built himself a coffee table using over 10,000 Lego bricks. Now, while he is not about to sell this uh, uh, interesting contraption, he is willing to do premium builds for other people. However, the best part about doing Legos is that once you see the shape of it, you could probably figure out how to do the design yourself. It looks it looks to be about four feet long, uh, or sorry, it looks to be about uh, three feet long by two feet wide, and it is hollow on the inside. So the outside is a so you take the rectangle, then you core out the center on the long ways, and that is hollow. And then the outside is white, 
then moving one step inwards, the next layer that uh, is in and shoved in a little bit more is red, and then there's another layer inside that that's yellow, and then there's a uh, yet a fourth layer all the way inside that looks to be thicker than some of the other ones that's green. And then in between that, you have air. Uh, now, he, uh, the, the artist says that he has not done any kind of weight tests on it. He doesn't know what this actually can hold. He, he has thrown his feet up on it, uh, and he has uh, stacked some magazines. But other than that, he hasn't stood in it or anything. Um, I personally think that this is a really neat kind of piece of furniture. I don't necessarily think that I'd pay uh, high designer kind of uh, custom built order stuff to uh, to have it bought for me, but but uh, I definitely think that if I had the money to buy ten thousand Lego bricks, I could probably think of uh, you know maybe some end tables that would go along with it. You know, it just seems like a neat idea. All right, sticking in the same kind of uh, vein of Legos, uh, uh, Legos are trying to get away from their all-plastic roots, and uh, specifically going to the leafy creations within the Lego world are actually going to be made directly from plant. They are going to be made specifically from sugarcane elements, and they're going to start appearing on the shelves later this year. So when you start seeing the plant and the flexible uh, materials that are uh, in your Lego sets that look like uh, leaves, fronds, trees, and all other kinds of manner of uh, flora, not the fauna yet, uh, then you are going to actually be looking at the product of a completely recyclable and lower impact uh, form of plastic-like substance that is being made entirely from uh, sugarcane, <laughs> somehow. I don't know how that works, I don't know why it works, but I'm happy that the scientists at LEGO have actually figured it out, because I think it would be really cool. Uh, but they're also saying that they'd like to try and find a way to switch their entire production line by 2030 over to using this sugarcane model. So I don't know if there's a problem with the color fastness i don't know if there's a problem with the rigidity or just with the overall uh interlocking mechanisms and the wear and tear because i mean if you have legos that came out in the 60s or 70s and you were to put them into a piece today chances are they still work pretty well uh so the, i think because these um plant features seem to have a lot less interlocking parts it may be that that's where they start and that's why they started with these the way they did so it's going to be uh kind of cool and uh, according to the scientists over at lego they're saying that the new plant-based elements are technically identical to those produced using conventional plastic lego products have always been about providing high quality play experiences and giving every child the chance to shape their own world through inventive play so now we know where they stand on that all right, that about wraps it up here for the Geek Cruft section of the Caffeination Podcast. Moving right along into the food and caffeinated bits section, we're going to get you out uh, probably under an hour and a half or so. This isn't one of those rambling style episodes. I, I, I can feel the flow. I hope, I hope it's coming through. All right, now the first thing we got up for you is a Kickstarter project that I've actually sponsored on my own. Actually, the two first things are uh, Kickstarter projects that I've actually sponsored on my own. And uh, I'm not a huge Kickstarter person. I'm not somebody who's, who you know will routinely go there and say, ooh, what's, what's there I can spend money on today? But I got, um, I was looking through Trend Hunter and uh, came across this thing called Grums. Now, Grums is a giant uh, 
filter capture device that you put at the bottom of your uh, French press. So you stick this thing down at the bottom of the French press. It looks like a cup. It's made out of soft, durable plastic. And when you pour in your, uh, and it actually has measurement lines on it, so that it tells you how strong the coffee you're about to brew is. Then you pour your water over it, you use the French press as per your usual style. And what it does is it actually captures all of the grounds in this cup, reducing the amount of water that you have to use because when you remove grums out of the uh, French press, it takes 99% of the grounds with it. So you don't have to sit there and scrub and, and you know, score up your glassware. Now, that's not necessarily why I bought it. I bought it because this makes the perfect way to clean out French press machines or French press in uh, French presses is the proper way to say that. This makes the perfect way to clean out a French press in work. So I can't wait to actually get this on hand. I have two French presses at home. I love using them. I'd like to be able to use them in work and stop using the pour-overs because it's just a little bit easier to, to use a French press. And I like the coffee that comes out of a French press better than the coffee that comes out of a pour-over. But um, the, the cleanup after the fact is really messy. And when we don't have a proper sink, we don't have a proper kitchen in the area, it would really be nice to be able to just pick up a trash can with a clean bag or something in it and knock out 90% of the grits or the coffee grounds and then go rinse it out, uh, then go gr rinse out the grums itself. So it, it just condenses the coffee grounds to a level that are actually manageable. So I, I kind of think that this is a really inventive way to uh, collect the grounds from the bottom. So I, I like it. They also offer a knockbox. I didn't get all the uh, crazy on that. And they gave you a whole bunch of ideas for what to do with your used coffee grounds. So I'm linking to their Kickstarter page, not just so that you can check out to see exactly what I've been talking about, but you can also see what they have in store for people and what you can do for uh, <laughs> with your saved coffee grounds, including growing your own mushrooms at home. Uh, but yeah, so that was the first pr product I went shopping for today. Now the next one is I love cold brewed coffee so much so that we end up spending probably a significant portion of money uh every week to make sure that i have the ready-made bottled stuff uh on hand i personally like stoke uh i i think it has a really you know i don't like the uh, sweetened version i like the the one that just comes in the green bottle um I don't know why. It tastes smooth. It tastes different than a lot of the other coffee products that are out there. And it just gets the job done, if you know what I mean. So when it comes time to make my own cold brewed coffee, I have a ton of different ways that I can do it. Uh, I had the, the Ronco uh, coffee time. Um, I had uh, various different mason jar systems. And none of them really kind of captured the essence of what it is to have cold brew on tap. So I, I was looking for something that made it a lot simpler. And enter the Fridge Barista Glass. This is a two-liter jug of cold coffee that is brewed directly in your fridge. 
and all you have to do is wait. Basically, it is a giant glass mason jar with a tap on the front. And then inside this uh, lovely little contraption, there is a stainless steel basket for the cold coffee grounds. So this is true cold brew goodness. There is not much uh, that you really need to do to it beyond this. You take the top off, you put the coffee grounds in, you pour the cold water. Now, cold being the uh, operative word here, we're not cooling down already hot made coffee and, uh, you know, raising the acidity levels up or anything like that. No, 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 no. This is true, tried and true, cold brewed coffee. You throw it in there, you wait 8 to 12 hours, and then guess what? You have yourself a little cold brewed coffee on tap. The only thing that you'd have to do if you wanted to stop the brew process is you could take the lid off and then take the coffee grounds out and rinse that out down the sink. Uh, I love this idea. I think it's great, and the price point that they're actually offering it for sale is incredibly low. So we'll see if this actually comes to fruition. We'll see if this uh, you know, it lives up to the hype. But uh, this is the second Kickstarter thing within uh, the same day that I'm incredibly happy to actually uh, back. So uh, you put, count me in for 30 bucks on this. Uh, so it's simple and easy to use. We'll see if uh, it, it, it holds up to the test of time here. All right, now this is not something I backed. This is not even from Kickstarter. This is a place in New York City that is attempting to grow. It's a Brooklyn-based design studio called Crema. They grow homegrown vegetables to produce sustainable alternatives to disposable coffee cups. Now, I'm not sure how this works. Because the they have 3D custom printed 3D molds that they grow the gourds into, and that uh, that part I understand. It's like okay, certain things will grow to be whatever shape you fit them into, and you know people have long since used gourds to hold uh, liquids. They've long since done stuff like that. However, what I'm wondering is, is it more sustainable to actually spend the water, spend the time, spend the effort to make these disposable coffee cups this way versus something else? I mean, I understand the idea behind it. I'm just curious about the science. So, yes, they're all compostable, 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 but... Um, I'm wondering if they are multi-use. You know, how much, uh, how long can you end up using these things for? So it's uh, <laughs> it's really neat. But however, the one thing that I think would be really, really cool about this would be if they offered the actual molds for sale instead of just the coffee cups, so that you could actually get around to molding your own gourds in the backyard. Maybe you have a a pumpkin latte out of a pumpkin cup. Which, by the way, the reason that we don't have any pumpkin spice stuff here is because it's been 105 degrees heat index today. So it feels like you're walking through soup. There's no way I'm talking about <laughs> about fall flavors today. Uh, all right. So that that's from Crema, and that is Gourd Cups. Thought it was interesting. Passing along to the group. Now, the next little thing that we got for you here is, again, using a coffee cup made from coffee. This is taking coffee grounds that are already used using them and combining them with all kinds of different lovely oils to get them to be compostable coffee cups. So I like this idea. This one seems a little bit more 
feasible just to me uh, compared to the gourd one um because the gourd one takes you know a full season to get up to gourd level where you where you have a you know a red solo cup i mean if you want to play beer pong with them that's fine i think it's kind of cool and kind of uh <laughs> interesting but uh the idea of actually using these things because these look like they could be multi-use cups because they're they're just that much um more sturdy looking so it's a plastic-like substance, again, made from coffee that is formed into coffee cups and planters and other things like that that can be used for a multitude of different purposes. So uh, hats off to these people, and this one's from over at Yanko Design. And then the last little thing that we got for you here is single-use QR codes that only appear when you add a hot beverage. Now, we've talked a lot about disposable products here. We've talked a lot about ways to make these things a little bit more ecological friendly. So I want all the listeners that really enjoyed those types of stories to turn your ears off for a second, because we're going to talk about plain old-fashioned paper cups, maybe even styrofoam to get really nasty. But uh, imagine that this, you look at the side of your cup and you see a QR code. You know, those fun little codes that you can scan with your phone and it takes you to some website or does something on your phone. Well, imagine that this is a completely unique QR code just for that single individual disposable cup and that that QR code is only available for a limited amount of time and only available once the hot beverage has been placed into it. So you're like, well, what does that mean? Why is this important? Why did why would this even be a thing? Well, imagine if you use this to get Wi-Fi at a conference where they just start handing out the cups and like uh, Starbucks is a sponsor and everybody could just snap the thing on the side of the, the cup and say, hey, look, once you get your uh, beverage in there, it becomes a, your Wi-Fi access password and the uh, access password uh, expires after a day. So it's a single use item. It's credentials that are really, really short lived. Um, and I just love the idea that there's a way that they can uh, that a shelf stable way that they can uh, continue to extend this out. <laughs> so I, I kind of can see a couple different ways that this could work. I was just curious and wanted to pass it along to everybody else. Um, now, the last little thing we got for you here is to the final thought for the day. And somebody actually took the, the fine people over at Dig have been sharing this out. But uh, there's uh, some temperature analysis from NASA. Now, climate change is real. If you don't think climate change is real, we, we, we have other issues to discuss, and I'll gladly take them up anytime anybody would like to. Uh, the problem with the planet is right now is that overall, and I'm not saying in your neighborhood versus my neighborhood, I'm not saying, hey, it was really cold last year uh, where you lived in uh, Sheboygan. Um, what I'm saying is that overall, the average temperature of the planet is going up and it's starting to the rate that it's going up is increasing and that means that things overall are becoming much more unstable things being weather patterns so there is a rather simplistic explanation or not explanation there's a rather simplistic graphic that was produced by the fine folks over at NASA and it takes into account every year 
since 1880 and animates them in different locations around the world. So that's roughly the time that we have the information about recorded weather patterns. And it takes the average temperatures, and then it compares it to the average temperature. So the average temperature of that year versus the average temperature for that particular location. If it's higher than the average temperature, it gets redder. If it's colder than the average temperature, it gets bluer. And these dots get bigger the more that change happens. So when you play it, you're like, okay, I can sort of see that there's some trend where there's hot years, there's cold years, there's hot years, there's some cold years, until you get into the 2000s. And then everything goes red all the time. Now, could this still be a extended trend? Yes, it could. However, the overwhelming majority of the evidence suggests that this trend is caused by our behavior and the the gases that we emit into the air. And I don't have a a nice and easy uh, solution to all this. It's just one of the things I'd like to share with the group because I think that uh, sometimes a visual element really helps sell things a little bit easier than... uh, having somebody talk right into your ear the whole time. So unfortunately, it's not a, a really bright and happy, shiny way to end the episode, but it's uh, still the same way that, that we're going to today. So hopefully you enjoyed today's show. If you are looking for me, you can find me at uh, twitter.com slash caffeination and most of the other uh, social media outlets as well. If you are also looking for me and you would like to... Uh, Send us comments, feedback, suggestions, general information, or stories that you think we might want to cover, then you can do so at caffeination at gmail.com. We accept phone calls, both loud, quiet, and uh, everywhere in between at 215-240-1319. We have a Facebook fan page and a whole bunch of other stuff going on over at uh, caffeination.com. Now, one more time, that is www.caffination.com. Thank you very much for listening, and stay caffeinated, people.